Listen, today, I um, just want to take a minute, uh, a couple of minutes, and I want to talk to you about uh, cutting a clear trail. That's what I'm calling it. Did, did we get the handouts? Did y'all get a handout? No? Marty, they should be on the, the back. I'm sorry, but they're probably on the Welcome Center. Um, and I'll, we'll give you a second if you could just pass them up, because there's a lot of verses, and I'm probably not going to read every one of them. Um, I'm just going to maybe make mention of a lot of them. Uh, of most of them, but there's just a lot in this, and actually just going to talk about leading our homes, leading our homes. You know, I think that, uh, you know, growing up for me, um, I grew up in, in the house with my grandparents, and my grandparents, my mom, and my brother and I, we grew up in their house, and uh, I would have to say that probably th- my mom, who was... Um, my mom, <laughs> my mom had to make a lot of decisions just simply because uh, she was a single parent, and she did the best she knew how. I mean, with 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 what she was dealing with, she did she did the best she could. And I'll just say I'm grateful for my mom. I'm grateful for the way uh, she cl- cut a clear trail, in my opinion, uh, looking back for me uh, and for my brother uh, concerning uh, being responsible, being honest taking a, a care of business that we need to take care of. Uh, she showed us uh, how to be, uh, you know, faithful. Uh, like, she worked at the same job uh, for, golly, almost 50 years. Almost 50 years. And, um, you know, basically just watching her. So, you know, now that was in a natural sense. Now, today I'm going to talk to you about in a spiritual sense because here we are. We're the church. And God has given us as pastors already pointed out, he's given us a, a, a tremendous responsibility, a tremendous privilege, actually, to shape and to mold the next generation, and not just those that come from my family, but those also who actually we have a reach to, like with Vacation Bible School and with extended family, with neighbors, with people we meet at church, that we can help to shape and to mold them. And so I like that phrase, uh, to cut a clear trail. That's one of the things we're going to do. Joshua, let me read this. Let's read this together. Not together, but listen as I read. Uh, Joshua 24, verse 13 through 15, New Living Translation. Now God is speaking through Joshua, and he says, I gave you land you had not worked on. I gave you towns you did not build, towns you are now living in. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. He's talking to the children of Israel as they had come over into the promised land. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived in, beyond the Euphrates in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone is what he's telling them, is what he says to them. Verse 15, he says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, refuse means if you consider it not a good thing, kind of a useless thing, that's not important. Serve the Lord, you know, come on, man. That's for people, that's, that's for, for weak people. That's for people that don't know, that, that's for uneducated people. Now, you can say it however you want it, but that's the mentality of some people when you say, serve the Lord. Oh, yeah, well, he says to the children of Israel, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors, 
that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? And I love this statement. We've heard it. We see it on plaques. We've heard it said many times. Joshua says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. What does Joshua say? He says, as for me, he's telling the, all the people, all of those, the, 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 the children of Israel that he had led over, he had watched them for 40 years. He had watched them do good and then complain because the stew was cold. He would watch them do good and then complain because they didn't have enough water. He would watch them and they would do good and then it was like they were hot and cold, hot and cold. Hot and cold. I don't want to be hot and cold in front of my family. Meaning that as for me and my house, I want to be hot for God. I want to be committed when things are good. I want to be committed when things are difficult. I want to be committed because it's a choice. It's not a, I'm not a thermometer. I don't want to, to uh, reflect the environment. I'm a thermostat. I want to set the environment. I want to say, today's a good day. Oh, really? Have you read the news? I don't care about the news. You don't care about the news? Not one iota. When it comes to how I'm going to live, I don't care. It's not going to change the way I live. Now, I can stand here and say that. I still fight my fights just like everybody else. But I know what Joshua was saying yeah, we're getting ready to go forward. We're getting ready to move into some other places. They'd been in the promised land for a while now, and they had seen God's hand. They'd seen God's deliverance. They'd seen challenges. But Joshua's getting ready now to tell them, look, the circumstances have changed. Here we are. And I know a lot of people. I heard a guy say in Australia years ago, he was talking about how that when the children of Israel were in the, um, in the wilderness, he said they thought that that was a... Uh, they thought that that was misery. You know, it's like we're living in the wilderness. He said that was a five-star hotel compared to what they were getting ready to go into in the promised land. And this is the reason why. Because God provided heat and he provided cool. He provided water. He provided food. He provided everything. There was room service. Their shoes didn't wear out. They're, 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 they didn't get sick. There was no feeble ones among them for 40 years. And then they enter into the promised land and they got to begin to take what God had given them. Today, God has given you the promises, so many promises. He's given us the promise of, of his presence, the promise of blessing. He's given us so many promises, but here's the thing. It's not just going to come. We have to get it. We have to embrace it. We, it. It comes out of our mouth first. Faith is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. It comes out of your mouth. What's in your heart? So listen to this. You want to know what's in your heart? Listen to what comes out of your mouth when pressure squeezes the tube. Listen to what comes out of your mouth. Oh, this is just great. This is going to be another miserable week. Wait a minute, what? Something squeezed in my tube. It's coming out of my heart. I have to change what's in my heart. So Joshua knows what's inside of these guys. He knows that the potential of, of, of their potential of being negative, of being, of being whiny, of being complainers. But he says, let me tell you, today, here's what I'm doing. He says, I'm drawing a line. And as for me and my house, I'm the head of my house, he says, in so many words. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. My mom was the head of our house in the sense of my brother and I. You know what she did to a degree? She drew a line and said, this is the way we're going to live. And I can't say she raised me as a believer, as a Christian. She didn't. But the thing is, we're all drawing a line. 
Every one of us are drawing a line. Maybe the line we're drawing says, and this is movable depending on circumstances, or we're drawing a line and saying, this is the way we're going to live. That's what Joshua says here. Joshua says, uh, uh, you, may, you may choose to serve uh, the gods of that came before, the gods of the land that you came out of. You may choose to, to, to serve the gods of the land that we're coming into, the gods of the Amorites and all them. But as for me, I am going to serve, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So Moses knew uh, J- Joshua's intentions. That's why he chose him. He knew his intentions. Caleb, who'd spent the better part of 40 years, and who knows how many before that with him, he knew uh, Joshua's intentions. The children of Israel knew Joshua's intentions because he stated it. Now, here's a question I would ask. What are our intentions? Are our intentions going to be det- Well, I'll determine that when tomorrow comes. We got to make a decision. We have to, and especially with, with children, I'm not just saying this to people that have come up and, and had dedicating, you know, bringing their kids to be prayed over. I'm saying that for all of us. I looked at about probably 25 to 30 kids last week in the fifth through, uh, third through fifth grade. And I thought, you know, in the very beginning, I thought, I'm frustrated. It's frustrating because I don't know them. I don't know anything. But after the second day, okay, okay, third day. By the fourth day, man, my heart goes out to them. They're calling me by name. We're knowing each other a little bit. And you know what? They're looking to me. And I can I pray for you? Yes. They let me pray for them. You know why? Because they're looking for adults. They're looking for people that have drawn a line and said, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. When people come to you, do they know your intentions of how you're going to live? You know, there's certain people that I avoid in growing up. There are certain people that I would just avoid like the plague. Why? Because I knew their intentions. Joshua's intentions here were very clear. He made them known. He says, as for me, and I believe he was probably standing in front of, well, he called all the leaders and all those that were in charge. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. And I'm letting you all know right now, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He drew a line. He, he made a defining line. Psalm chapter 101 verse 1 uh, says, I will be careful to lead a blameless life when you come to me I will conduct my affairs, the affairs of my house, with a blameless heart. That's what God wants of us. That's what God wants of us. He wants us to conduct every affair, every issue in our life, every situation going on in our life. He wants us to conduct it with a blameless heart. I want to do what's right. I don't want to do well. I don't know, but this is what I'm going to do anyway. What's God's word say? What's God's promises concerning that? What's God saying? Moms and dads, grandpas and grandpas, all of us, we have to make a leadership decision. A leadership decision. Oh, well, I'm not a leader. I'm sorry, but you are a leader. Well, I don't have any kids. doesn't matter. We are leaders. We are influencing people. That's what leadership is. It's influence. And whether it's your own children or whether it's my grandchildren that you see around here, that you see other people's kids, we make a leadership decision that we're going to live a blameless life and we're going to serve the Lord We're going to do right by God. We're going to do the right thing, even when it's not convenient. Genesis chapter 18, verse 18 and 19, God's talking about Abraham here. And he says, for Abraham will become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth uh, will be blessed through him. Man, that's what I want. I want my life to be a blessing to to whoever uh, I touch and to wherever I come in contact. And I'm sure you want the same thing. But he goes on. 
And he says, I have singled out, I have chosen uh, Abraham uh, so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord and to do what is right and just. Then I will do for him all that I have promised. He chose Abraham because he knew he had made a decision. I will serve you, God. Abraham was called the father of faith. I'll make it, he made a decision long before. Now, did Abraham do everything exactly right? No. But God still loved him because he knew how to get right. He knew how to make it right. The same thing with King David. David would make some bad decisions, and then he would come back, and he would repent, and he would get back on course. We're not perfect people sitting here today. We are people that are in need. But you know what? God is the need meter. God is the one that will help us no matter what. You might be sitting there today thinking, if you only knew all, everything that's happened that I've done, that I've been a part of, first of all, I don't want to know. I don't need to know. God already knows. And let me tell you, somebody else that knows is the devil. You know and the devil knows and God knows. And let me say this. God will forgive you. The devil never will. It's up to you. You're the one that can say, you know what, God, forgive me. Uh, I, I Change my heart, change my life, because I want to make an impact on my family and on those that I come in contact with. There too. In my life, a long, long time. I'm glad. You know why? Because they helped me to stay on course. They spoke into my life as best I would allow them. Okay, let's look at uh, three things, three ways uh, that we choose to serve the Lord and to lead our houses. This is how we cut a clear trail. Number one, we make or renew a commitment to obedience. Obedience is not something that, that comes just because. It's a decision that we make. And let me say this, I have made a decision Many, many times in my life, like we're talking about VBS, you know, we prayed with them, and we prayed with them again, and we'll pray, pray with them. The children's church will pray with them again. We're going to pray with them as many times as we can that, God, I'll follow you, I'll serve you. You know why? Because sometimes it takes many times, and even for myself, you know, I, I do this at the beginning of the year, but not just at the beginning of the year, Father. I make a commitment. Lord, I want to be obedient to you. I want to do what is right before you. Why? Because my life impacts and affects others. There's nobody in this room that lives in a vacuum. We all impact and touch other people. Even when we think no one is looking, other people see our life. And it's not like we're living under a microscope, but it kind of is. Because the thing is, is people look at our life. And I think it's not about us being perfect. It's about us responding correctly. And if we respond wrong, then you know what? We, we know how to repent. We know how to say, God, forgive me. We know how to ask others to forgive us. But obedience, we need to make a commitment to live an obedient life. And I renew my commitment regularly, regularly. So basically, uh, Psalm 119, let me read a couple of verses here. Psalm 119, verse 106 says, I've promised it once and I'll promise again. I will obey your wonderful laws. Oh, I did that back in 62. I did that yesterday. I'm, I'm doing that this morning. I will obey your laws. I will commit myself. It's not something we did a long time ago. It's a, it's a, it's a living decision that today I renew it. How many of you got tags for your car one time and you never got them again? Nobody. <laughs> not unless you have one of those historic plates, I guess. I don't want to be historic, okay? I want to be current, you know. I want to be a current uh, impact. 
But basically, we make a decision. We have to, we renew it. We go back, we go around and we kick the tires on our commitment on a regular basis. How am I doing? How am I doing? And we've got to look at it. It's something we do on a regular, regular basis. Uh, John 6, 63, uh, Simon Peter asked, uh, asked him, uh, Lord, to, asked Jesus, Lord, to whom else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? God's the one. We have to continually come back to him. We continually come back. A commitment for the first time or a fresh commitment, that's what we have to do. So number one, this is how we cut a clear trail. Folks, dads, moms, grandpas, grandpas, people without children, those we're influencing others is we make a commitment and it's known. By what? By what we say? Well, that's one way for sure, but how we live. It's how we live. We need to make a commitment by how we live. Number two is we set our heart to love his word. Why? Because it's our future. God's word is our future. It's our future, and it tells what it will be like if we obey God. It tells us what our life will be about if, about if we don't obey him, if we disobey him. And so, read, study, memorize, and meditate on God's word. You know, for the last four years, this year, I've stumbled a little bit. I've done something a little different. I say stumbled. I've changed it up a little bit. But for the last four years prior to this, I read through the Bible every, you know, from beginning to end, beginning to end. I tried to do something different this year, and um, it's not really working out like I wanted, so I'll probably back, go back and do the other part because it's worked for me. But the thing is, is have a system. Have a process. Do something, and, and if it works for you, don't go, I'm bored with this. If you can change it up, that's all good. But read, study, and memorize the word. That's what Joshua 1.8 says. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all according to all that's written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Oh, I like that success and prosperity part. Well, let me tell you what precedes it. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You have to be able to say it. I am walking in the blessing of God. I will serve God. I will obey God. God sends his word to heal and to deliver me. God makes a way where there appears to be no way. Second part, this book of the law should not depart out of the mouth. I will meditate in it. I'm going to think about it. You cannot meditate on something you have not got in your heart. We've got to get it in our heart. It's got to be not just familiar. It's got to be sown into us. It's got to be sown into us. So we've got to set our heart to love God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, The commandment of the Lord is right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving sight, insight to life. Do you need insight for life? I do. Oh, man, I need insight. You know, we go through seasons. We're coming into a new season of life uh, continually. We're going into new phases. I'm not sure what to do. I can ask others, and I do. But God's Word helps us. Gives us insight for life. He gives us insight. Okay, let's go on to the next one here. You've got all the verses there. You can take time to, to look at those. The last one is you have to stand firm. You know, there's nothing worse than, than having no roots. Nothing worse than having no roots. And listen, in Arizona, if you have no roots, as a, as a plant I'm talking about, as a tree, you don't live. If basically you cut the water from something and the, and the roots are not deep enough going down where it can get water, you know what happens? It dies. To stand firm means we have to have enough root system in our life 
that stretches out into places. I'm getting the word. I'm getting the word. I'm connecting and getting life here. I'm making sure I'm getting life. But the number one thing is, is that we're connected into God's word, into God's house. Because that's how we basically stand firm is by having people around us. When we were up in uh, Colorado, uh, Jared's dad was telling us about uh, the aspen trees up there. He, you know, he worked for the forest service, or he would go do forest fires uh, you know, up in that area, different areas uh, up northern part of Arizona and even in the northwest. And he said that those aspens, because we were driving up into a certain area, and it was nothing but aspen trees. They were just rolling. They're all small. And it's like, wow, did they replant these? He says, oh, no, you never replant these. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, there was a fire that came through here so however many years ago, and he says, it'll burn these things to the ground. He says, but the thing is, these aspens, he said, they're all, in a sense, they're one living organism. They shoot roots out, and they come up. And then they'll shoot more roots out, and they'll come up. Now, you can cut them all off at the ground, but if the root system's down there, it's going to come up again. You cannot kill that type of a tree unless you kill the root. And the root is so expanse. It's so expansive, and you can't hardly knock them down either. You can cut them down, you can burn them down, but the root system, that's, I believe, what God wants us as a church, that our roots spread out and we intermingle with, with others, with others. We're, we're tied in with the body. We're tied in with, with family and friends and loved ones and, and other believers. We're tied in, we're connected. And let me tell you what, that's how you stand strong, is basically you get a root system that's not easily uh, upturned and, and torn out. Exodus chapter uh, 14, verse 13, it says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that the Lord will bring today. Uh, the Egyptians you see today, you will see no more. I think you could put into that verse whatever. The situation that you're seeing today that's threatening you, you know what, if you stand firm in the Lord, if you'll just not lose heart, if you'll stand firm and, and believe and trust the Lord, Stand firm means I'm not going to allow fear to move me. I'm not going to allow unbelief to move me. I believe God said, saying that you can put whatever, for us, it's not the Egyptians. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's financial ruin. Maybe it's whatever. I don't know. Everybody's got their own situations that they're dealing with. But if we will be firm, stand firm in what God has told us and live our lives accordingly, committed and dedicated, and we will begin to Speak the word, speak the word, speak the word into our life. Let me tell you what happens. I believe the enemies that you see, one day they'll no longer, you'll not see them anymore. They'll be gone. God will deal with them. He will fight our battles. Psalm 1 verse 1, Blessed is man that does not stand in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the seat of the mocker, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Let me tell you one thing that, that we need. is We need to know as as, as parents, as men and women, as believers, as people that, that are, we are cutting a clear trail for a generation and for people that we are not even aware of are watching us or following us. The one thing that this verse tells me is that we need to know when to stand up because there's been a lot over the past years, not just last year, but the past years that say, ah, shut up and sit down. We don't care what you think. It's all good. I do. I'm going to take my stand we have, but I don't want to offend anybody. If people get offended because I tell them that Jesus Christ died on a cross, if people get offended because I tell them that, that God loves them, then they're just easily offended. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. 
or they're being used and motivated by the enemy to shut the voice of hope and life up. We have to put roots down and know when to stand up when it's time to stand up. And I'll tell you right now, I believe there's people in this room right now that that things are poking you in, in your life, telling you, don't say that. Don't speak up. Oh, you know, you'll be accused of this. You'll be, if you say that, they'll accuse you of being this. If you say that, they'll accuse you of being a hater. They'll accuse, well, here's the thing. That's their problem. It's not mine. The gospel, according to Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God to save the lost. Not niceness. Just be nice. You can be nice to people forever, and they can just nicely go to hell. But if we can speak the gospel, speak the word, speak the life that God has given us, declare it. As for me and my house, we've made a decision. We're going to serve the Lord. We put our faith in Christ. This is how we live. People need to hear that. Our children need to hear that. Our our, our extended families need to know that. Not preaching at them, but just at the right time, in the right opportunity. You know what? Let me tell you what changed my life. When I was 16 years old, I made a commitment to Christ. Really, what did that look like? I just prayed a prayer. I heard someone tell me that God loved me and something just went off in my heart. And I knew it was true, but it's like I didn't know what to do. Well, pray this prayer. They led me in a prayer. And then I began a life in a, in a, a one-step-at-a-time journey, serving the Lord, following God. That's what I've done. That's what my wife did. That's what our children have done. And that's what we're believing that our grandchildren will do with whatever help and with whatever encouragement we give to them. We have to cut a clear trail. We cannot depend on our children to to, to find their own way. You know, we have to lead them because there's lots of voices out there telling them this is an option, this is an option, this is an option. Well, they are options, but the word of God is the truth. And the word of God is what gives us eternal life when we respond to it. Let me pray this morning. Let me just pray for families. Let me pray as, uh, as we move on in this service, move forward. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these families. I thank you, God, for all of these young ones uh, today, God, that have, that have come. I thank you, Lord, that today is a day, Lord, where you have made a mark that can't be erased in their life. You've made a mark in parents' lives that they will look back and remember the day that they stood up and we stood together with them saying, God, we commit, Lord, as pastors, as church members, as parents, we commit to help, to raise up and to train our children. We we commit ourselves to do that, Lord. I pray for wisdom, God. I pray for peace. I ask you for the peace that passes understanding, Lord. That's that peace that we can't even conceive of. We don't even conceive of it. But today, pour that peace into every life. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord, to know how to cut a clear trail, how to stand and to move forward, even though the obstacles are saying, back up, sit down, get out. Lord, we're going to take our stand, and we're not going to be moved in Jesus' name. Now, this morning, if let me just ask you a question while you have your head bowed. If you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Uh, becoming, uh, responding to the, to the word of God, responding to the love of God. And that is simply this, that if you believe, if you have heard this, let me just tell you what the gospel is. God sent his son into the world to die on a cross for us, for, every, for all men, 
The Bible says that we're all sinners without, without Christ in our life. But it says that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross, not for his sin, but for ours. And let me tell you what, if you're not sure how to cut a clear trail for your family, and maybe you have not made this decision, this is the very first decision that we make. This is how we begin to cut a clear trail. Let me pray this prayer. If this is you, just pray with me. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything other than just pray this prayer, and let's move forward together. Say, Father, I thank you today for sending Jesus to die on a cross. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died for my sin. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name.